Welcome to this latest podcast from Argus, a leading provider of energy and commodity price benchmarks. We track and discuss the prices that create our world. The date is 25th of March, 2020. My name is Nadari Taim, and I am the editorial manager for Argus's Middle East Bureau in Dubai. As the worldwide outbreak of the coronavirus continues to worsen, so too has the impact on oil and financial markets. Following the World Health Organization's move earlier this month to declare the outbreak a pandemic, governments across the globe have been quick to lock down their borders and promote so-called social distancing in an effort to limit the spread of the disease. But, while necessary, these moves are translating into a further slowdown in economic activity, which is bringing with it a fall in energy consumption and oil demand. Coupled with the recent collapse of the OPEC Plus agreement earlier this month, this contraction of oil demand has seen oil prices plunge. Oil prices fell to under $30 per barrel early last week for the first time in more than four years, and have continued to slip ever since. Ice Brent May crude futures stood at around $27.5 per barrel in early hours trading today, following modest gains overnight, while the NYMEX front month contract stood at around $24.5 per barrel, up by 3% from yesterday's close. This is despite a concerted effort by central banks around the world to implement economic stimulus programs designed to help the world economy through the coronavirus outbreak and keep it from sinking into a depression. The U.S. Congress just announced overnight that it had reached an agreement on a major stimulus package that could cost up to $2 trillion, while in European economies like Germany and the U.K., plans of $600 billion and $450 billion, respectively, have been announced. In the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and the UAE have announced their own measures to bolster their economies, with packages worth a combined $55 billion, with more likely to come. Today, we will be discussing the impact that this pandemic has had so far on the resource-rich Middle East, with a particular focus on regional refiners and petrochemical producers. Joining me are my colleagues on the Dubai editorial team, Mohammed Fadil, Argus's Midis Gulf petrochemical editor, and Sarah Raful, Argus's Midis Gulf Midlistalist reporter. Fadil, Sarah, thank you for joining me today. Sarah, let's start with you. Over the past few weeks, we've seen travel restrictions and precautionary behavior dramatically curtailing the movement of people and in turn eroding fuel consumption. Aviation in particular has been badly affected. What does the picture look like in the Middle East region at the moment? Thank you, Nadir. Well, let's take a step back and look at what happened between January and February when the outbreak was only really limited to China and the Asia-Pacific region, and we began to see the first signs of precautionary measures taken by the Middle East Gulf carriers aimed at limiting the spread of the disease. Initially, carriers like Saudi Arabian Airlines, Oman Air, Qatar Airways and Etihad suspended all flights to mainland China, well, except for Beijing, and Dubai's state-owned Emirates Airlines initially held off doing the same, but ultimately followed suit as the number of cases in the UAE began to rise. And at that point, the impact on jet and air travel demand was still minimal. But by the end of February, we began to see more and more flight disruptions in this region as the cases outside of China started to multiply. Countries of note were Iran, South Korea and Italy, which unfortunately remained some of the worst hit country outside of China. Now, the declaration of the outbreak as a pandemic by the WHO in early March then led to even more restrictions, 
with the likes of Kuwait and Saudi Arabia deciding to suspend all international flights from mid-March until further notice. And we believe these moves alone could result in a 115,000 barrels per hit to regional jet fuel demand for however long these restrictions hold. Now let's look into the UAE. The government has been tightening its own preventative measures with every passing day. As per the latest directives issued on 23 March, all passenger flights and even transit flights to and from all UAE airports were to be grounded for at least two weeks as of 25 March. Now what's interesting is that this announcement came less than 24 hours after Emirates Airlines said it would be suspending most passenger flights from 25 March until further notice in response to the growing pandemic. The airline pointed to the sharp fall in consumer demand and stressed it would not viably operate passenger services until travel confidence returns. But needless to say, we understand that the 23 March directive by the UAE authorities to have basically overruled Emirates' own plans to continue operating a limited service, at least in the immediate term. Now, this is desperately bad news for the jet fuel market, which has already suffered unprecedented losses because of this virus, particularly given the UAE's position as the number one jet fuel consumer in the Middle East, accounting for around 200,000 barrels per day of jet fuel demand. And we estimate that Emirates Airlines, which is the world's largest airline by passenger traffic, consumed about 230,000 barrels per day last year worldwide. But in addition to these suspensions, people's increased anxiety about flying is almost certain to dampen regional demand even further over the coming weeks and months, even for flights that are continuing to operate. And actually, we have already seen something similar in Europe, where several airlines have begun cutting short-haul routes, citing unfavorable economics. In Saudi Arabia, Riyadh had to take the difficult decision to temporarily restrict inbound arrivals for the Umrah pilgrimage, which in turn has raised questions over the annual Hajj pilgrimage also to Saudi Arabia, which will happen by the end of July. The holy sites draw on average 2.4 million pilgrims every year, of which 68% travel from abroad, and this is according to Saudi Arabia's General Authority of Statistics. More than 1.86 million non-Saudi Muslims, for example, completed their Hajj pilgrimage in Saudi Arabia last year. This will again not only reduce jet fuel demand in the Middle East, but also in pilgrim origin countries such as Pakistan, US, UK, South Africa, and also likely to affect regions of origins such as the Indian subcontinent and North Africa. The International Air Transport Association, or IATA, had originally forecast Middle East passenger demand to grow by 4.6% in 2020. But in its latest projections issued on 4 March, IATA halved this to just 2.3%, taking, of course, the impact of the pandemic into account. In its analysis, it showed that 16,000 passenger flights had been cancelled in the Middle East since the end of January, a figure that is only going to rise following the most recent measures taken in the UAE and other GCC countries. IATA says international bookings in the Middle East are down by 40% year-on-year in March and April and by 30% year-on-year in May and June while domestic bookings are down by roughly 20% for March and April 
and by 40% in May and June. As of 19 March, IATA had forecast that the coronavirus-related disruptions could lead to a total of 37.6 million drop in passenger volumes in the GCC this year, and around 36% of which would be borne by the UAE. IATA also estimated that Saudi Arabia could have suffered even bigger losses in passenger volume, considering the large number of people that travel to the country for Umrah and the Hajj. Thanks, Sarah. Fadil, let's bring you in. The Middle East is a major exporter of energy products and petrochemicals. Are you hearing of any shipping disruptions so far? Well, Nadir, the good news is shipping disruptions have been limited so far. In February, Kuwait announced that its ports will not receive foreign vessels arriving from or departing to some parts of Asia and Europe. But Kuwait was quick to clarify that the restrictions do not cover oil vessels and until now do not affect petrochemical traffic either. Saudi Arabia last week suspended shipping services between the Kingdom and 50 countries, again to stem the spread of coronavirus. But as we understand, the ban does not affect cargo or container ships. So the Middle East Gulf countries are clear about the need to take precautionary measures but not grind to a complete stop on trade. However, I would say shipping delays should not be ruled out in the short term. With more stringent checks at Middle East Gulf ports, more time would be needed for vessel discharge. We are also hearing of higher freight rates for container shipments from the Middle East to China. Freight rates increase in February as vessel owners impose a premium on shipments to China. Vessels and crew leaving China are typically subject to a quarantine period, which means a loss of business for ship owners. Backhaul trips from China are also limited for now because of lower manufacturing, so ship owners are demanding more fees to cover their operations. But this is not only a Middle East issue, with US producers also under pressure. That means the emergence of U.S. shale gas-produced petrochemicals into Asia may be reduced because of freight disadvantages. Thanks very much, Fadil. So, Sara, what have you been hearing from refiners in the region? How have their operations been affected in the face of the coronavirus outbreak? Well, somewhat fortuitously, the start of the coronavirus outbreak coincided with a heavy refinery maintenance program in the Mideast Gulf, and this was already pre-scheduled for this quarter. In the GCC, around 1.1 million barrels per day of refining capacity, or 13% of the region's total, had been affected between January and February as refineries in the region underwent scheduled maintenance. And actually, this helped offset the weaker demand as a result of this outbreak. The maintenance program saw middle distillates export from the GCC region fall noticeably, and to put things into context, total gas oil exports from the GCC averaged 797,000 barrels per day in January, down by 19% from 981,000 barrels per day in the corresponding month last year. And this is according to data from oil analytics firm Vortexa. Jet fuel export, on the other hand, from the region more than halved year-on-year year to 182,000 barrels per day in January. This is the lowest monthly level seen since Vortexa began keeping records in January 2016. 
And in February, gas oil exports slipped even further to around 645,000 barrels per day, which was not only the lowest since December 2016, but also 40% lower year on year. And although jet fuel exports were up by 35% month on month to 247,000 barrels per day in February, they were still down by 44% from February 2019. As of now, there is still around 1.14 million barrels per day of crude refining capacity offline in the GCC region. Again, this is because of scheduled turnarounds, and this represents around 14% of the region's total capacity in the GCC. This capacity is all scheduled to be back online before the end of the month. But given the prevailing market conditions, we should not be too surprised if we begin seeing operators extending maintenance schedules or using the opportunity to undertake a so-called preventive maintenance on unprofitable units. In effect, to keep them offline for as long as possible. As of now, we have not yet seen any real impact on refinery runs in the region. But as the situation worsens and demand continues to weaken, this will almost certainly weigh on fundamentals. And despite the lower oil prices lending some support to refining margins, we do see the outbreak squeezing demand for oil products and particularly for jet fuel. But what should be noted here is that most of the refineries in the Mideast Gulf are state-owned. And this means that unlike private sector refineries that are at least part-owned by international oil companies, is that state-owned refineries do not necessarily base their decision-making on profit or loss. While IOCs are beholden to their shareholders, state-owned refiners are not, and therefore will not need to act and change course should refining margins for a product become economically unviable. Nevertheless, we cannot ignore the past, and history suggests that weaker demand and fears of an economic slowdown will have an adverse effect on all products markets which will in turn put downwards pressure on refinery runs, and ultimately, Mideast Gulf refiners will have to reduce run rates if and when this does happen. For example, we saw refinery runs in China fall by 3.3 million barrels per day to reach 9.8 million barrels per day in February, declining from 13.1 million barrels per day in January, and that's a near 25% reduction. And again, if we look back to when oil prices and the world economy slumped during the 2008 financial crisis, we saw a clear impact on oil products demand. At the start of that year, the middle distillates market was strong versus other components of the barrel, prompting refiners to switch yields in favor of middle distillates. But towards the end of the 2008, the economic slowdown translated into a weakening of demand for diesel, which in turn put downwards pressure on the middle distillates crack spread and refinery margins. Bearish refining economics at that time also forced refiners to cut runs by as much as 2 million barrels per day, and this is according to OPEC. Thank you, Sarah. And Fadil, on the petrochemical side, how are Middle East producers reacting? I would say producers are treading carefully for now, Nadir. The double whammy of the coronavirus and the uncertainty in crude markets are real concerns. Of late, petrochemical turnarounds in Saudi Arabia are failing to lift prices in Asia. As the coronavirus outbreak hits demand, Saudi turnarounds often lead to short-term supply shortages. But from what we see, petrochemical demand in most Asian countries slumped 
amid the coronavirus and limited the immediate impact of the Saudi shutdowns. Given the fall in oil and nafta prices, petrochemical feedstock costs are compressed. Despite lower petrochemical prices, most products still enjoy some margins. Freight, as I mentioned in the earlier question, becomes a higher proportion of the final price, and this will also provide some competitive benefit to regional producers. For now, Middle East producers are expected to continue to sell to China, and no export restrictions to Asian destinations have been announced so far. The coronavirus pandemic is coming under control in China, but people remain wary of resuming social activities. Demand for polyethylene is sagging in China, the world's largest demand centre for plastics, as consumers stay home and reduce consumption. China's linear low-density polyethylene film prices hit an almost 12-year low. Inventories at state-controlled Sinopec and PetroChina aged up to 1.285 million tonnes on 18 March, from 1.27 million tonnes a week earlier, reflecting continued low consumption. PP demand for woven bags, home appliances, construction materials and the packaging sectors continues to be heavily hit by the outbreak. The demand pressure has kept polymer prices on a steady decline since the Lunar New Year holiday in late January. Excellent. Thank you, Fadil. If you want more key stories and updates on the coronavirus impact on the Middle East, visit argusmedia.com for our Coronavirus Hub page. And you can follow us on Twitter using the handle at Argus Media. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening.